0: Everything good? Good, man. How are you? Oh, fantastic. We were talking about lift ratings earlier. Uh, brilliant has got a five-star rating on Lyft. That's true. But your Uber rating was what? What was the Uber it was rating? Four point eight. Four point eight. Mine's low. It's four point six. Really not good.
1: I mean, I'm sure there's someone listening who's under four, and that's when you should really start. Do you to think worry. I was
0: insensitive about it? How I'm saying that my four point six is not a great yeah, sport? Like, is that insensitive? If
1: we were to like really, you know, multiply that out, your four point six would be an A rating. You could round up, 100. actually. Oh, I just mean like, well, if you yeah, if you want to round up to the nearest <laughs> yeah, digit. Yeah. I'm a five. <laughs> you're closer to five than you are to I'm four. I'm closer
0: to five than I am to four. Yeah. But there's someone out there who's a three who's trying really struggling, hard. Struggling. Just, just to pass. And potentially is listening to this and thinking it's insensitive right. that I'm complaining about my 4.6. I think it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. So. Do you hear about this? Uh, Do you hear about Luke Combs over the weekend? Do you hear about this? Luke Combs over the weekend. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. Oh, we're making some adjustments here very important that we get the right shot. I was saying uh Luke Combs over the weekend he, he apparently his voice was a little raspy so he refunded everybody who was at his like stadium show, he refunded everybody. Still perform, I'm sure he sounded fine, but he made this big announcement at the beginning. He was like, "I'm my voice is a little under the weather, so I'm going to refund everyone, but I'm still going to play the show." Yeah, you know, that's crazy, right?
1: Yeah, it was kind of crazy because it happened the same weekend that The weekend had, lost his voice, lost right? Lost his voice and then uh, did not play the show. He he also refunded the tickets, but he didn't play at all. Something going around. I mean, I just think in general people don't understand the the pressure that is on each performer who's singing live, to deliver a vocal that's consistent with what they're hearing on the record and consistent with what they give on tour. But it's a lot of it's a lot of work vocally, you know. And if you play. The third night maybe fourth night in a row on a back-to-back you're playing an hour 15 each you might not have gotten the most sleep your body needs time to recover and the voice is a really sensitive muscle so i I definitely don't fault them for being in that position i'm sure i'll be in that position at some point but the way that they both went about it and being two of the biggest stars in in general but in their respective fields and how country responds and how pop responds, it's two different things. You're going to just straight up cancel the show in the pop world. And at least based on how Luke played it, I think people will try to give what they can.
0: Yeah. I thought it was kind of cool, actually. It was kind of a cool moment that he was like, we're going to power through this, but um, but wanted to let you know that my voice is a little under the weather. And he sort of approached it head on. How important is it when you're performing? Do you think, is it more about vocal perfection or is it more about putting on a great show and bringing good energy and bringing yeah. good vibe?
1: I am a, I mean, I'm a vocalist, so that is a big part of what I do. And I use my voice in a lot of different ways on a lot of different songs. What I'm doing on "Throw Back" is different than what I'm doing on Praise the Lord is different than what I'm doing on a ballad. So I, I do want to be able to give the best vocal performance that I can. Uh, and I would say in general, I give a better overall performance when I feel confident about how I sound vocally. But it's probably from an audience perspective, more important to just give them a great show. And I can usually make up for what I'm lacking vocally on a particular day with physical energy, uh, you know, storytelling in between songs, trying to make it more personal. But, yeah, I mean, they both matter.
0: When you're lacking vocally, what does that mean? That you are you feel like you're a little pitchy or you feel like you're not sounding as full as you maybe normally sound? Like, how do you yeah, tell if I'm, you're lacking?
1: I'm probably not going to be pitchy. But I, I may just not have as much falsetto one day. My range may be limited. I might be a little hoarse. Um, you know, and I've, I've gotten pretty good at getting through sets without having the full complement of skills that I might normally have or might prefer to have um i haven't had to had to cancel any shows yet but i'm also new to this so we'll see we'll yeah. see what i feel happens. like everybody does it at some yeah, point do at you, some point do you have perfect pitch you don't have perfect do i don't you, have do perfect you? pitch i have pretty good relative pitch. pretty relative pitch yeah
0: so when you because you you've, you're playing within ears right so Correct. when you're like you're confident that you're not pitchy do you just have really good ears and you can just tell or you can just hear really well
1: even if i can't even if it's not as good of a mix in the ears I know, I mean, we rehearse a lot and we yeah. play we've been playing the same songs now for a while. Even the new the new records we've rehearsed a bunch to introduce them into our set. But I, I usually can tell where where we need to be. Like the beginning of uh my song Natural kinda comes in a little cold. So I don't I can't hear really where the bass and the guitar are to help center my pitch. I kinda just have to come in. And so far, I've been like 20 for 20 on the road this summer of coming in on that, despite not having any chordal information to guide me. Wouldn't it be kind of easy to put a little
0: reference thing in the ears? I always
1: say that, you know, and I, <laughs> and honestly, I'm sure we probably probably will do Who's that at some director? point. Who's music director? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna have to make sure we, we work on it. But also now that we're so locked in and I have yet to get it wrong, I kind of would need to get it wrong first. To, to to motivate really, the yeah, team to justify to, and be like, see, I messed up because they're like, we need you to bring always... something
0: in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. Who? How long did it take to put the set together?
1: Um, I mean, it's been it's been kind of a work in progress. As we put out more music, we'll we'll try out new songs, unreleased songs in our set. So it's kind of been, uh, kind of been in flux, especially because the shows that we're playing are all different. Like we might play a a forty five minute opening slot for. Brett Eldridge or for Nelly or, you know, for Russell Dickerson or something, but then we might play a headline show the next night, or then we might do an acoustic radio performance and do an hour acoustic, and then we might come back the next day and play a festival and we've got 35 minutes in the middle of the day. Like, these are all different shows, different crowds, different places, so uh, we're still figuring out our set and it's constantly changing with whatever the demands of the venue, the audience you know who shows up so when you're playing with tracks
0: because you, you play along to tracks right I play with tracks and with the band and the last time i saw you play you had a drummer and a guitar player has the band expanded since yeah, then or is we, that still kind of what we, it looks like yeah
1: we've got we've got drums guitar and bass because ba- um, you
0: didn't always have a bass player right? You used to be am i wrong about that i saw you playing dc we, ashley cook was opening yeah yeah and i think
1: it was probably yeah i think it the was off. hang on what are we saying I was going to say, I think it is uh, I think it is just the two. Uh, it was just the two at, at the time. Yeah, but we always have a third guy. It's just a matter of when it makes sense to bring him and when it doesn't make sense to bring him more financially than anything.
0: Yeah, right. So, but when you're playing with tracks, do you have like all of your songs that you could possibly play in the tracks and then do you cue sort it. of cute But when you're deciding if it's a headline set or an opening set and you're changing, like is each song sort of separate? And then do you line them up before you go on and play and then do you have like interludes and things that you move around like h- yeah. how, do you, how are you so flexible with the tracks how,
1: yeah. how does that work that might yeah. be obvious I mean, they're, but. they're all kind of queued up uh in in the computer my drummer programs uh playback and so he has everything that we've ever played available just in case i want to randomly be like oh let's bring this one back from the Breelan ep and we haven't played it in a year they're always ready for it. Um, we do go into most of the opening slots with a pretty set set list, uh, which is just to say that usually we only get a certain amount of time and you can't go over because there's changeover and then whoever's headlining will come out. Same thing with festivals. But for headline shows and for these radio shows, uh, I usually will go no set list and we'll just say, hey, let's start with this song. And then from there, just pay attention to uh, what i'm saying and respond and we're pretty much in in sync when it comes to those like i from that perspective i'm really just looking at what does the audience need right now could they go with another slow song do we need to bring the energy back up um and just kind of like djing it in my head of like oh this makes sense next this makes sense next and then by the time we're done, I'm like, okay, that's about an hour and a half, you know. <laughs> like, Do you think you'll it.
0: take that approach even when you're playing like arenas and oh, stadiums?
1: I, I think I'll definitely take that. approach You're probably when we get to that the point. only
0: guy in four in country, the only artist in country who does that, because most people play the same setlist every night, yeah. and that seems like the safe comfortable responsible potentially responsible thing to do it's probably more responsible but is it more fun i don't know (laughs) you 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 tell me so you're saying that you you, when you're at the biggest level you want to be able to call the shots and play oh definitely you want to be like the grateful dead of country music basically yeah
1: i think every crowd deserves like if i would love for people who come see me in one city to come see me again the next night and get a totally different experience you know like I don't know i can't assure you right now that when i get to the next level that we'll have you know additional people on the team like lighting and stuff like that where that's the thing is it's tough to
0: cue those things tough to cue those things i don't have to worry about all of
1: that stuff right now so it's easy for me to say Oh yeah, like I'll just go off off the cuff and just cue whatever songs make the most sense. We may have to dial back on that, or maybe we get to a point where you know we can have like a little acoustic part of the set where we do maybe five or six songs where I can have that freedom. That freedom to kind yeah. I'm someone that I'm I'm creative on stage. I'm paying attention to how the audience is responding to things. I'm talking to people in the audience. Like I'll go out into the crowd. I'll bring people up on stage. It's very participatory, and I think. There's an element of creativity that I would love to be able to maintain, moving forward. It's just a matter of logistically whether it will continue to make sense for me to do it. Right. When you played
0: your first show, I think it was opening for Dirks, right, or it was with Dirks Bentley. Was that? That the was first? like probably my
1: th- third show. If you,
0: what was the first show you played? I played in my high school, uh, seventh, uh, seven years old. You peed yourself, right? Not, no. Or was that earlier? That was it's, that was it's a way completely earlier. Completely different story. Completely different it's a story. Completely different story. No. Right, I, 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 played I cut a you Show
1: off. at my high school in 2021. Okay, way uh,
0: way early. He peed himself at at f- seven years old. Yeah. Okay. That, way. Which, I just want to clear to that, be that up. Clear
1: that was about 20 years prior. 20 almost. years prior. I um, yeah.
0: I want to be clear about that. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Uh, but in terms of playing at my high school, we I just came back played played a show. It was the first on-campus performance that they had had since before the pandemic. Uh, but I only had a few songs out, so I was playing a lot of unreleased material. Uh, it was, you know, I was super nervous and new. Uh, and then we played Whiskey Jam here in Nashville uh, in June of that year, and then July we went out and played a couple of dates with Dirks. So
0: when you're going out and you're playing Dirks, because Dirks is bringing you out kind of on a vibe thing, because he he doesn't really know if you're going to be able to be entertaining in yeah. his giant concert. Had you – you okay, so you'd, you'd done a couple shows, but had you just envisioned what you were going to do on stage so much growing up that you knew how to handle it? Like, how did you know – because stage – performing on stage is a skill, yeah. and I kind of just imagine you were really good at it, like, the first couple times you did it. So was yeah. that just because you had pictured yourself doing it so many times, and yeah. you were so musically competent? You know, competent? I, would,
1: I would say that – I don't know if I was – I think there are certain things that come naturally – Uh, you know, me being a vocalist and being comfortable in my skin and comfortable with the music that we're playing definitely helps. So I'm able to come in at a certain level that maybe some people who had similar inexperience may not have been able to do. But if I were to look at the shows that I'm putting on this summer versus the shows I was putting on last summer, it's not even close. Even if I were to look at shows that I'm playing right now to shows I was playing six months ago, Uh, you know toward the earlier part of the year it's not even close because I'm constantly learning something I'm constantly I get opportunities to open for a lot of different people or to be on festival lineups fair lineups with people that are have done this for a long time and I'm taking bits and pieces of how they're interacting with the crowd how they're setting up their songs how they interact with the band when they're taking breaks like when they go hard I'm paying attention to all of that stuff and incorporating elements of it into what I do. So every show is theoretically getting better. better. If I were to look month over month, that is for sure been the case.
0: What's something like, do you have a favorite stage hack or something that you've picked up recently that you saw someone do and you were like, Oh my God, I need to do that
1: also. Um, You know, I, I can say that I saw Luke Bryan play a couple times and he's very free with his body on stage. And uh, you know, you've probably seen him hit a couple of dance moves before, but he's not afraid or uh, he's he's not really hesitant to, like, try something out and. Uh, It's the freedom of motion that I think makes the audience relate to him so much because he's clearly having a good time and that's represented in the physicality of his movement. He's not really a dancer per se, but it's just there's a a freedom of of motion that now I'm like, okay, maybe I can be a little bit more free. And I think I I definitely do turn up on some of these songs and, and get there. But even on the ballads to... You know, be comfortable walking around the stage to look people in the eyes to to really bring it physically as well as focusing on the vocals is, is something that I've been trying out more.
0: Yeah. Does anyone give you feedback on your stage presence and performance or is it like does your manager Bruce yeah. ever give you any tips or is it kind of just up to you to hold yourself accountable to yeah. keep improving as a performer?
1: I kind of hold myself accountable on everything. So whether that's an in interview in on stage in studio I have people on my team from a management perspective, label perspective, PR perspective, you know, producers and writers that I work with, but they'll probably all tell you the same thing, which is that I really care about what I do and I really love what I do. So I'm I'm always trying to hold myself to that standard and and to level up every time. I hope that this I I think this is an incredible album that I'm getting ready to put out. I hope that it is also the worst album that I ever put out. You know, like I want album number two three, four, five to continue to get better every single time because if I stop growing as a vocalist as an artist, as an entertainer, as a songwriter, then I'm in the wrong business. I got into this to to make an impact, but personally I also want to be the best version of myself and so I, I, you know, when it comes to playing shows, I'm looking at videos that people tag me in on their stories or on TikTok, and looking at myself on stage, and then holding that up next to other artists that I respect, and saying, "Do I am I doing as well as I could be doing?" I'm looking at videos of myself against videos of myself from six months ago, and and seeing the improvements there. Um, and and it's things that you can feel, you know, like when you get a chance to play more. It's a lot of times trial by fire. There are certain songs that didn't hit as hard in the set, literally just based on how I was introducing it or the energy that I was giving it while I was on stage that I've looked at videos and and critiqued it and gotten feedback to be able to say, all right, well, let me try it like this. And then eventually now we play certain songs that, that get the crowd going just based on how we're setting it up and how we're playing it.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Are you not afraid of the sophomore curse? I mean, you're a minute away from having to worry about that. But I I think what's interesting is like most people, like most people who maybe are like, maybe for lack of a better term, more traditional country artists have been writing their first country album for their entire life. But you kind of came to your sound relatively recently compared to your career as an artist yeah so in a way you've had a, a year or two years to write this record mm-hmm. and your next record you might have that same period of time and you're gonna yeah. be more experienced like do you do you worry about that like now i'm putting out this record how am i gonna top this record but you seem like you were pretty confident about it
1: yeah I, i'll be honest i'm not worried about anything <laughs> like
0: because just, because just you're it, confident like, yeah, or because just, why
1: be worried about stuff that isn't
0: that I can't do right now today or that isn't in my control
1: kind of both but just because I think that I you know if you show up for what it is that you like if I'm going to give 100% on album number 2 and it sucks I gave 100%. I'm not worried about my ability to give 100%. I love what I do so I'm going to give 100% and if I can give my 100%, then there's nothing to worry about. If the outcome isn't what I want it to be and people don't love it, it's a bummer. But I tried my best. Right. So I, I don't worry about anything because I I believe in myself. I believe in what I'm doing. Uh, I believe that what I'm doing matters on a on a larger scale. And I'm just scratching the surface of that. Can't be worried about album number one, album number two, album number three. I'm trying to do 20 of these. And I want them all to get better. So... I I imagine that album number two will be a little different to make because the circumstances are going to have changed, you know, whether it's the amount of time I have to make it or, um, you know, there's going to be more demand for certain types of songs. I'll have more info on based on how people respond to the songs on this project, where my market is. And all of those will, will be factors that I didn't have going into album number one. But as far as I'm concerned, album number 2 is going to be just as compelling if not more. And I I don't have any of the music already to be able to say that. Other than that, I know when it's time to lock in on that project that I'm going to give it the same amount of energy I gave with this, but I'll be a little bit more experienced. Yeah, makes sense. Did you come
0: up kind of who who were like your biggest musical idols when you were coming up?
1: Stevie Wonder is my favorite artists yeah of all time that makes
0: yeah I, I i see the sort of vocal lines and you know yeah. the flashiness there but i think it's interesting like i think almost and maybe you knew about some of the like insane people that you collaborate with now like keith urban Dirk yeah. Bentley. like i'm sure they were on your radar for sure but you might not have idolized them the way you idolized stevie wonder yeah and i wonder if that makes you a more confident collaborator with them in the room because maybe yeah. you're not as intimidated by them as maybe someone who like grew up idolizing listening to Keith Urban is that possible that you could be a little more confident in the room or not be so like starstruck by them I think that's an
1: interesting theory uh but no I, I you're think... still
0: pretty starstruck by no them? no or...
1: the opposite yeah. I, I think by the time I get in a room with someone it's because I'm supposed to be in the room with them and I, I... believe that 100 yeah so I like I believe in the timing of that so I've been in the room with certain artists that i did grow up with you know i i grew up with rascal flats and got in with gary but i wasn't nervous i was just yeah. excited to meet him and excited for us to be able to create and to see each other as peers same thing with a uh, john legend same thing with pharrell pharrell you were with pharrell recently, you know these Miami, are people right? yeah these are people that i grew up listening to and certain gospel artists that i grew up listening to since i was a little kid that i've been able to get in with collaborate with form relationships I don't know. I, I, I've always felt like anyone that I listened to and respected. I've always hoped at least that I would have the opportunity to get in with them at some point and that the point at which that occurred was when it was supposed to happen. So whenever it happens, I'm like, oh, great. I'm, I'm, I'm finally doing this thing that I've been waiting to do. And it's not really nerves for me at, at that point because I'm like, oh, it. This is the time that this was supposed to happen. So yeah, there's there's a there's a freedom and confidence in that. Um, and I also think in the country world, I believe in the, I believe in what I'm doing sonically, you know. And I think people resonate with blending the genres together. And I'm seeing a lot of people do it in their own way. Hardy is a rock star. He's got you know, he's got some screaming in some of his records. He's like a he's like a metalhead on the low, but also packaging it with with an incredible lyric and sense of melody and a strong vocal delivery, but he's blending genres in in his own way. I'm watching there's a bunch of people in in country that are doing that and outside of country that kind of can cross over into country like a Lainey uh, not Lainey Wilson but in an LA and Y. you right. know, like I'm I'm watching them kinda of bring someone bit. like Alana Springsteen on the road or for the Jonas Brothers to tour with Kelsey Ballerini and some of their stuff is acoustic I- I'm seeing these cross genre collaborations and relationships that are forming and uh you know that's part of why I know what I'm doing is viable Uh but also even if other people weren't doing it I love the music that I make and I would be making it regardless but it makes me confident going into a room because I know that I'm bringing what I bring in the same way that I would trust that anyone I'm getting in with is confident in what they're bringing to the table. We both bring those core competencies together and make something that no one's ever made.
0: Does your confidence come from just being confident in the work that you've put into your skill set? Yeah. Like, Have you always been really confident?
1: I wasn't as confident in what I was doing when I was first starting, and that's because I didn't have anything to to rest that confidence on. I was confident in myself and my ability to figure it out, but I wasn't at a level as a songwriter or as a vocalist or as an artist that would have really warranted the level of confidence that I have now, which is I've checked off a lot of the early career boxes that I want. Putting out an album is kind of the, the last one, but I've had a platinum record. I've had a number one single. Um, you know, I've, I've been nominated for a major award. That stuff is great, but I believe in the work. You know, I believe in the 10,000 plus hours that I've spent in the studio. I believe in the grind, I believe in the sleepless nights, and I believe that all of that work comes together and it it, it makes me believe in where I'm at and where I'm headed. You know, I don't think that I got to this point to just get to this point and do nothing else. I believe that this is the beginning of a much longer journey and I'm buckled in and and ready to see where it takes me.
0: Yeah, so like you had this producer mentor Mm -hmm. of yours and when you were living in Atlanta, who basically said to you like, you weren't an artist. Yeah. And didn't you show him my truck? And he said, don't put that out. He was like, you're not an artist and this sucks. He was like, don't put it out. And to me, I'm not as confident as you, Breland. Yeah. I feel like if someone said that to me, who this guy was a successful guy, he had like Grammys and everything, yeah. mm-hmm. I would be like, "All right, maybe it sucks." I, you know, what? I'm not gonna put it out. But yeah. you were like, "Screw this!" Like I, you just haven't. You have a lot of confidence. Yeah. And at that point, nobody knew who you were, and you weren't collaborating with superstars. Yeah. And I feel like if I was you, which I'm not, but I would have been very insecure about my music. And if someone who was really big said don't put it out. I, I just, I probably wouldn't have put it out. I think it's like, how, why'd you put it? How did you get the confidence to put it out? Maybe yeah. it's obvious, but to me, it just seems interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say that if you were in that position that you should believe in yourself, like straight up, there's, there's no, there's but you no know one what? that it's has, it's not
0: that I wouldn't believe in myself. I would just think maybe this is not the moment to make my yeah. debut song. maybe it's the next thing I write or maybe it's
1: the next thing. Maybe I, I would you feel gotta, like maybe
0: this isn't the thing.
1: You just got to trust your gut. Like I've, I've always trusted my gut on everything. I put this album together based on trusting my gut. There are certain songs that I really love that could have made it onto this project. We could have added more songs, but I was like, this is right, you know? And I I had to believe that. I I would say I had the same belief back when I put my truck out, which is like, there's something special about this song. The origin of the song coming about, the, the fact that, I was told not to put it out the where we were in history at that time where I was in my career at that time I was ready to put a song out and was waiting to make something that felt different than everything else that I was hearing and I felt like this accomplished that and there was an early demand for it just from the snippet I had posted on on Instagram at the time and I'm like all right like this feels like a good time to put it out and also if it does nothing and it and i want to put out a completely different thing later i put it out myself i could just delete it (laughs) you know like right right like there's the stakes are pretty low yeah the stakes are pretty low i'm like it's it's a catchy song worst case scenario i've got something that i love best case scenario i've got something that a lot of people love yeah right
0: makes sense so you put it out it's just kind of it's just crazy to me i mean maybe i'm overthinking it but i just feel like I think it's it's incredible that this guy didn't have more of an impact on you. He didn't bring you down that much. You kind of yeah. just like threw him to the wayside, right? Yeah, like, I mean
1: it. It was the kind of it was the kind of relationship where I was able to identify why he felt the way that he felt. He didn't want me to put out music because he wanted me to focus on writing songs, which at the time was making him money because of his connection on the production side to all of those songs if I started putting out my own music, especially if that music was outside of traditional R&B and hip hop, where he would be able to play a more key role, he would lose control over the product that was Breland, the pinpoint guard as a songwriter. Um, And so selfishly, he never wanted me to, to level up in whatever ways I was actually leveling up. And I think when you're a real mentor to someone, you should want, what's best for them and be able to correctly identify what's best for them he wasn't able to do that and had then later revealed himself to not even have my best interest at heart in general based on how he responded to the success of that song so I I learned a lot through that relationship and in moving to Nashville realizing that I don't have the energy or the desire to have anyone around me or in my circle that doesn't believe in what I'm doing and vice versa. I can't have people in my life that are going to show up when things are good and disappear when things are quiet. I can't have people that doubt where we're headed and vice versa. I don't want to be in people's lives where I don't feel that way about them. You know, like I want to have a community of people that build each other up, that hold each other accountable, that, uh, you know, where we can all win together. And so I think I've put together a really good team of people creatively, uh, and administratively that are, that are bought in, you know, and they believe in what it is that we're building and we're truly building it together. And I I don't have a ton of ego on my team, me personally, or among the different individuals on the team, we're all very collaborative and that starts top down. So anytime you have an artist that has you know, publishers and publicists and producers and writers and agents and a label. I I have a lot of people that I work with and or that are directly employed to me. So I, I have to approach everything as a CEO. Right. And as CEO of Team Breland, my perspective and my approach matters because that informs how everyone else feels. I have to be able to let people on my team know when they are and aren't doing a good job and be able to build, how do you them do that? Up. Like what's an example of someone not doing a great job? I would say if I get like overbooked with a bunch of stuff and some of it doesn't make sense to be like, Hey, this doesn't make sense in the future. Let's not do this, you know, but I'm able to approach that in a way that I have a deep level of respect for everyone on my team. So no one's going to feel a type of way if I have to approach something like that, because they know that I'm coming at it from a, I want, I want us to win and you want us to win. so. We're on the same page. It's just a matter of how we specifically do that, right? But when you can create a culture where everyone wants to get the work done and everyone wants to do as good a job as possible, that's why we've been able to accomplish so much in a short amount of time. It's because my co-writers and co-producers on this album all put in the time and they put in the work and they didn't just settle for an okay song. They wanted it to be as great as possible. We went back and forth on mixed notes. We revised lyrics, we revised instrumentation, we brought in live instruments. From a, from a PR perspective there are certain things that I might want to say or might not want to say that I'm going to trust their judgment in what's a good look for an interview and what types of things we might want to stay away from and what types of pieces I may want to publish or not you know like there's a there's a great deal of trust on on team Breland where we are all a part of something that we think is going to be significant uh, for the music industry and for the world and if I encounter people who don't contribute positively to that. There's no space for them. So I couldn't maintain the relationship that I had with that producer in Atlanta because he revealed himself to not be a good team player. The people that I have on the team now are the ones that have helped facilitate all of the growth that I've experienced over the past two years.
0: Right. Do you have a sense, I have a lot of artists on the show, and maybe they're as involved as you seem to be, but maybe they just don't talk about it on the podcast or maybe they talk about other things. But you just seem very hands on, very meticulous, and like you have a close eye on everything that everyone's doing in a good way because it's your career. And if you know no one's gonna care more than you're gonna care, right? Right. But do you have a sense among your peers, do you feel like you're maybe a little more hands on or a little more in the weeds with your team and how everything is going yeah. than maybe some of your peers I mean, are?
1: I, I don't know how involved all of my peers are, but I would say that there are certain things that are truly outside of my scope, right? Like I'm not naturally the most fashionable guy.
0: I feel like you're a feel like every time I see you, Brilliant, you look incredibly fashionable. But you but
1: you wanna know why? Because you have a stylist. Because or I ha- yeah, because I have a stylist named Molly who does a great job and she makes sure that I look good so I don't have to wonder whether I'm going to look good. I trust her eye and, and she's done a great job. But I don't have to check with Molly all the time to be like, oh, like, am am I going to look good because we've built up that level of trust in the rapport where I know when she comes with something, I'm like, okay, cool. And she'll give me an option. Say, do you feel about this or about this? But beyond that, I'm, I'm generally going to give her free reign to, to do what she does. And, and because there's trust, while I am very hands on in everything and making sure that things are running smoothly, I'm also aware of when people are doing a great job to just literally be able to let them do their job. It's not, it's not my goal to be super in the weeds on every single thing that Happening so long as everyone is doing what needs to be done, and I would say by and large that tends to be what happens. So I'm involved in that if I ever need to step in and be like, Oh, what about this? and also involved because I care about what I'm doing, as you said. And I think that my skill set as a personality lends itself to doing a lot of you know helping people do their jobs, but everyone on my team does a great job and that's why they're on the team because i trust them to be able to to get it done and when you have that level of trust and belief it makes it easier for me to go out and and step on stage and be confident knowing that everyone did their job to help me get to that point and that my band is going to be there and that you know what i mean i just don't i don't that's why i don't worry about anything
0: god it's good to be brilliant yeah i'm <laughs> worry, it doesn't worry about anything i'm not i still respect that i worry about a lot of things yeah But you're – see, I think it's a good way to live, though, is just, you know, you surround – what's the takeaway? Surround yourself with the best people. Surround yourself with the best people. Trust them.
1: Have a mission statement. And your mission
0: statement is country to everyone,
1: right? Or to expand
0: the country format. Straight up.
1: That's the the mission statement. And everybody everybody on the team has bought into that. This is what I'm saying, though. I don't think many country artists have mission statements. Maybe they do, and I just don't know about them. You should ask. You should ask people in the future what their mission statement is and see what they give you. Do you know of other country artists that have mission statements? I, I can't. I can't definitively say that I do or don't. Uh, I'm sure some of them do. That's. I. You would have to ask. Wait. Are you
0: saying that you might know of some, but it's just maybe a little private? Or, I could. Pro- or
1: you- I could probably imagine what certain what some people's are. mission statements are, but I won't put words in their mouth. I would. That would. I would be curious to hear what right everyone right, right. says.
0: Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I see no, no one talks about having a mission statement though. Are you, but you studied business in college. Yeah. Do you read a lot of business books or like a lot I of, do. Yeah, yeah. I
1: try to read a lot in general. Recently I've been on a fiction kick just cause I like where it takes my brain. But yeah, I'm someone that believes that I am a business, you know, like I'm, I'm a person first and that balance is important uh, to not just be a business all the time, but I'm also a product and I'm also a service. So you can download my music, you can buy my merch, and you can also book me to come play a show somewhere or to come speak at an event. So I have to think about what I'm doing from a business perspective. And as the CEO of that business, as I said, I have to know when to delineate and also know when I need to take control of something and make sure that everything is running a certain way and when you have a strong group of people that are helping facilitate all of that stuff you can have the level of confidence to know okay we're all aligned on where we're trying to go and where where we want this to look like all right break team go do what you do and putting together this project has made me even more confident in all of the different people that i have on the team because I didn't have to sit in the studio every single hour as some of these songs were getting produced out because I trust my producers, Sam Sumser and Sean Small. I trust them to to get it done and they know what I like because we built that rapport.
0: I have a feeling brilliant comes across as a very nice guy. I'm sure he is. He's got a high lift rating. I have a <laughs> feeling if you cross him, maybe screw it, if you if you're if you screw something up on the team, I think he could be pretty aggressive pretty quickly. Do you think so? Maybe not aggressive, but I think you don't take any bullshit. Like if someone's uh, yeah, definitely someone's not. causing but, bullshit on the team, you're quick to be like, "Hey, cut that out. You're but out it, of it's here." it's
1: also about how you it's about how you approach it, you know, because I I approach everything with a smile with a certain level of respect yeah, that I think you do I'm not gonna go off on you and be like yo if you don't you know what I mean like I'm not that's just not my energy I don't think that accomplishes anything and I think you're more likely to set someone off on a bad path if you approach it that way I'm like I want you to know that I care about you and I respect you and the work that we do together it is with that reason that with that in mind that I have to let you know this we can do better on this you know, and I want to see you do better. It's a, it's about how you approach it. Yeah, right. Uh, you've had a lot of amazing looks, rightfully so. Whether it's like
0: DSPs shouting you out and making you like their featured artist, or collaborations, or getting onto award shows, and I'm sure there's a ton of other opportunities that you've had from your mm-hmm. artistry. Do you have a sense of what, which of those things? maybe connect you the most to new fans or bring more fans into your fan base? Do you have a sense of what does a really great job of that? Yeah. Or is it kind of everything across the board equals growing of fans?
1: I, yeah, it, it's interesting because back during CMA Fest, it was my first time really doing meet and greets with a bunch of different people and seeing that someone might have heard me on a podcast. Someone may have first... I always like to ask them, you know, how did you discover me? Where where did you find my music? and it's a bunch of different things. It might've been the today show. It might've been, uh, you know, me opening for, uh, you know, Russell Dickerson, it may have been a headline show of mine in a random city or might, you know, there's so many different ways that people discover something, a playlist or, uh, you know, a commercial or whatever, like people discover music in a lot of different ways. So I, I want to give credit to everyone, but I definitely think with the absence of country radio and live shows for as long as I didn't have either of those part of the equation that DSPs played a really big part and social media has played a really big part you know to be able to release a song like Praise the Lord with a viral video or for Throwback which had a viral video and obviously My Truck with a viral uh, viral video and, and then to have streaming success and, and support from groups like Spotify to put me on their hot Country artists to watch this year, or Amazon making me the breakthrough artist, which is an all-genre consideration, or YouTube making me their artist on the rise uh, last summer. These are all things that definitely help and, and help get eyeballs on on what we're doing. And then I think ultimately the fans connect with the music and share the music with one another, you know. And I think country music as a community. Is really good at embracing that, and when I play at festivals, there are songs I don't expect people to necessarily know, but they'll either learn them there, or I'm surprised to see that they know them. You know, and right. I, I think there's a million different ways that it gets to that point, but streaming has been a, a big a big part of that for me thus far, and I'm excited to to grow into some new new areas. Right, like I don't, like Seth Gohan
0: always says, the key to marketing is convincing someone that people like us do things like this, and basically saying that. People like us consume this product, whatever it is, and I feel like when you collab with so many great artists, it sends a message that the industry and these artists are saying, Breland's the guy, he's the cat, we're approving of him, so you as a fan... Should check his music out and get on board. Have you sort of sensed that, like, when you get on all these collaborations, does it kind of have that effect that fans go, Whoa, who's this Breeland guy? Dirks Bentley approves of him. Yeah. I should check it out, his music. Or, yeah, right? Like, does that happen? helps.
1: Yeah, when you get on a song with someone, you're sharing audiences. So, right. if someone has a bigger audience than you, like a Dirks Bentley who's had 20 number ones and has been a massive success touring, uh, you know, over the past 20 years that cosine matters, you know, especially for someone like me that is making music that doesn't fall super cleanly into the country box, you know, and some of these songs are, are more progressive sonically. You don't always expect to get that support from some of the bigger artists. But for me to have gotten it, I think is, has helped a lot. Um, and I think really what has helped me in Nashville, at least, is being able to get, in the room with people and then make songs that we both love you know because all of these collabs none of these collabs would have happened if i had come in and not done something and them not done something if there's no chemistry it just won't happen but we have creative chemistry you know we're able to meet in the middle of wherever their bread and butter is and my bread and butter and make something unique me and keith have four songs out together so far two that we're each featured on and then two that we are co-writers on and all of them sound entirely different every time we get in we make something different and I feel the same way about about a lot of people that I write with where there's a lot of different types of things that we can do at a high level so you know I think that's part of the appeal in Nashville is that people know that I'm writing things that are a little different and they're curious to see what they would sound like on my sound and I'm curious to see what I might sound like on theirs And more often than not, it leads to some great music. Yeah, right. So, okay,
0: so Breland's not here for his health. He's got a new album coming out, Cross Country. I think, actually, by the time you listen to this, they'll already be out on DSP. So check it out. Breland, Cross Country. A lot of great writers on these songs. Yep. Rocky block wrote two of them. Yep. To me, Rocky block is the smoothest guy in the room. Like wh- wh- what for does sure. he bring into a writer's room? What's how, yeah. how does Rocky block? If you're listening to this and you're a fan, you might not even know who Rocky block is, yeah. but he's one of the coolest cats in Nashville. Take my word for
1: it. And Freeland yeah. might be able to attest test as well. Yeah. What does he bring into the writer's room? Rocky block is just the homie, man. He's before even acknowledging his talent. I just want to acknowledge, uh, you know, he's one of the co-founders of this cross country sound, you know? between uh for what it's worth and praise the lord on this project to um grits and glamour and high horse off of nelly's project uh to a bunch of other songs that we've worked on together uh that aren't even out yet to all the stuff that he's doing on his own he is he's just a good dude and anytime i get in with him i know we're gonna make something great he's one of the only people that I trust in a pinch to get in as a co-writer, uh, with me. And it, it's honestly surprising that he only has two songs on this album because of how often we write and how many great songs we've made. But I, I think he's one of the most talented up and coming and not even up and coming. He's here, you know, he's, he's here. Um, you know, he's someone that he, he brings, he brings great concepts to the room. Uh, you know, praise the Lord was a concept of his, you know, we heard the the track and that loop uh, and he was like, what about Praise the Lord, and you can praise the Lord for all these different things, and just kind of came out with with that idea. Did he
0: bring in the George Strait sample? Was that Rocky who brought that in?
1: No. Um,
0: for for which song are you referring Doesn't to? Doesn't Praise the Lord have a George Strait sample at the no, beginning? it does not. Do any of your songs, Did I make this up?
1: I don't have, hang on. I don't have any, well, let me think about that before I, before I say that.
0: Hang on. No, you know what I'm thinking of I'm thinking of um uh, high, horse high horse does has, have a has George, George Strait, Strait sample. You're on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, oh I'm sorry, Praise the Lord does not. Yeah, no. yeah,
1: yeah, um yeah, high horse does have does have a George Strait sample. No, that was a that was a Sam Sumser uh, who brought that in. Who brought that in? And usually the the producers will will come with that, but but Ro- for
0: Praise the Lord, Rocky brought in. Kind of that little bit, what that guitar intro and that thing. No,
1: he he we the that was a Kyle Fishman and Jacob Durrett who came with that. But Rocky came with the concept of saying, "Oh, this is Churchy. What if we do praise the Lord for all of these different things?" And kind of had had the punchline written out, and then we filled in the gaps. So we wrote that song incredibly quickly, and left the second verse open for a potential Thomas Rhett feature. And I knew I wanted to to get Thomas on it off rip and. We were able to get that done but with with rocky he he he's someone that he's like a swiss army knife and and we write so well together because we both do a lot of the same things well and fill in the gaps for whatever we might be missing so sometimes i might be a concept guy i'm always a melody guy um pretty pretty strong with lyrics and punchline he's really good at all of those same things um we have similar ears in terms of a melody that I would agree or not agree on he would agree and not agree on so we come to the right conclusions on these songs a lot of the time and based on the success of praise the lord uh you know with it being you know a gold single it's one of those things where I'm like Rocky helped make that happen and I think for what it's worth is going to be another one that people respond really well to and we started playing it on the road and People enjoy it, so I'm like, I know that Rocky has the ear of today and tomorrow, and I, I imagine that he'll play a really big part in right. whatever the next project is. When you're in the room with someone like Rocky versus
0: someone like Ashley Gorley who has a cut on this new album, yep. do you go in with like, like I feel like I would almost think with someone like Rocky, you could be like, we're bros, like you could probably yeah. be a little more relaxed or maybe even a little more yourself. Where I feel like when you're with someone like Ashley, who's like, you know, a little bit older than you, been around a lot longer has you know 100 number ones pretty close to it like i feel like i would be leveling up or i would be trying to be a different version of myself around ashley than i am around rocky right is that true like is it more fun going in with rocky because he's a peer and you can
1: be a little more it's a great question i I think in general i try to come into each right wanting to both bring the best ideas that i have while also being receptive to whatever is coming at me um, with Rocky, it's a little different cause we might write something at my house, you know? So there is a level That's of, I mean, it's there's casual, a level right? of, a level of comfort that we have there. But even when I do get in with someone like, uh, you know, an Ashley Gourley or Ernest or, or Ryan Hurd, uh, you know, or Sam Hunt, all of whom are, are a part of this project and they've all had a lot of success as songwriters and are a little bit more established than me and Rocky, I'm still coming into it with the same level of confidence, I'm just also like if I don't know them as well, I want to make sure that I'm not going too hard, that I'm not fitting in the right way. Like fit is so important for me. The reason that I call myself the pinpoint guard is because I'm a really good facilitator in rooms. So there might be a day where I'm like, oh, I'm on fire and I'm going to probably end up writing almost everything that happens here. And I'm going to come up with all the ideas. And then there are days where I'm like, oh, this person is hot let's give them the ball and, and and see what they've got. Or someone else who has a great concept, they just don't quite know how to finish it. And I'm like, okay, well, let's let's fi- figure it out. And that's something that I'm really good at in the writing room and, and why I like to write with other people is because I can identify people's strengths in those moments. And I think with someone like in Ashley, where County Line was came out of maybe the first or second time that we had ever written together, Um, you know, and we were also in the room with Sam and Ernest writing that song. Everyone in that room does a lot of things really well. So, uh, you know, I was more so trying to figure out where I fit in and where I wanted to contribute. And we all did a really good job of making sure that everyone's ideas were heard. That's a little different when you're in with the homie that you write with all the time and you've already built that rapport and know where you're at. Um, but yeah, I mean... Much respect to everyone that's on this project. It's not easy to get a cut on this project in general because it's such a unique sound, and we're coming with with a, a new subgenre of music. It'll probably be easier to make album two because we'll have album one as reference. You know where people can listen to album one and be like, "Oh, actually, this would be a good song to pitch for Breland." That they might not have known would have been a good song to pitch.
0: Right, right, right. Makes sense. Okay, I'm getting the wrap-it-up sign from the team over here. Naturally. The uh, Breland's publicists. Uh, short version is, you need to go and you need to listen to Cross Country, which is going to be out by the time you listen to this podcast. It's going to be on all your DSPs. The music video for Cross Country is great. I think everybody should go check it out. It shows Breland split screen with two alternate realities of what could happen down different paths. Yes, and I, sir. Think, I think you need to check out the music video. I also think you need to listen to Natural, which is kind of like a... A uh 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 it, it, why am I blanking on the R scene? Shania, 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 thank you. It's like a Shania Twain song yeah that's like new and hip and fresh. You gotta listen to natural. I haven't heard anything else on the record that oh, isn't okay. already out. Nobody you'll, sent me a link or anything. You'll hear it. Well, I'm I'm very excited to hear and I'm sure it's gonna be incredible because yeah. every, everybody's behind Breland. You've got the best people behind you and you you just bring a confidence and a coolness. I'm surprised that you don't have good fashion because I feel like every time I see you <laughs> you're always well dressed. By the way, I want to ask you one last thing, which is do you, do you mentor anyone? Like is there anyone right now that you feel like you're mentoring?
1: Yeah, there there are a couple people that are that are in that in that camp. Um Zach Mano who I signed a, a to a publishing That's right. deal yeah, yeah. uh here in town. I've I've got another friend named Cunningham who's out in LA and maybe getting him to move to Nashville. Both really incredible writers and producers that if I can do anything to help them out, whether I'm directly attached to it or not, I want to see them win.
0: So here we go, because we're running out of time, so we got to be super quick. You've gotten some weird texts from country artists who go, it's Keith, parentheses, Urban, or like, it's Dirks Bentley, parentheses, Country Singer. Yeah. What do you text someone if you're like, hey, it's Breland, Country Singer? What do you say?
1: I would say, yo, what's up, it's Breland. You already know what's going on. How you feel? You already know what's going on. That's (laughs) good. That's
0: where some of these other country artists... Could take a page out of your book. You already know who I am.
1: You know what's going on, Let's jump into it, okay? Dirk Bentley,
0: country singer. We know you're a country singer, Dirk (laughs) Bentley. Breland, you already know what's going on. Breland, thanks for coming on the podcast. Your schedule's crazy, man. This is release week, so I'm sure everything's busy. Release party on Thursday. I'm going to be there. I'm super excited for it. Cross Country, the album, it's going to be out now. By the time you listen to it, check it out. Breland, thanks for coming on the show, man. We'll see you next time. Appreciate it.
1: What'd you say? Claire
0: goes, you just got canceled. I just
1: got canceled? Claire, no, she just got canceled. Why'd you just get canceled? I'm getting the rap sign from the Oh, God,
0: no. Honestly, I just like shouting out team members because I
1: think it's like, ooh, the team's here. Oh, that's exciting. It feels important.